Welcome to another great week here on Brit David Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54, entitled, No Place for Arrogance in Prayer. How we approach God in prayer matters. This passage has implications for our prayer life as we see how a certain Pharisee and a lawyer approach Jesus arrogantly. Let's walk through this scene together. Here's Pastor Tim. You can be seated. Today is a new day for us. We begin Children's Church again today. It goes by the new name of Campfire Kids, and Sage and Dez are here, ready to take all the kindergartners through third graders over for their own kind of worship service for the rest of this. Uh, Bobby's helping them out today, and we're very grateful for that. While they're on the move, let me just mention to you that, uh, that they can use some volunteers. Uh, we'd love to have them on a rotation so that everybody is not doing it all the time and uh, yet gets to bless those children and those families. By the way, they're going to be studying today the very same passage that you and I are studying today. It may take a little bit of a different tone to it, obviously, uh, but, uh, but they're studying the same truth and so today, this afternoon, when you are having your afternoon meal, uh, we would encourage you just simply to talk about those things, talk about what, um, what God spoke to you about and what God may have spoken to them about. The words arrogance, arrogant, proud, haughty, those kinds of words are found 200 times in your Bible. It's an important subject and one that the Bible has an awful lot to say about. And almost every time, it comes with a note of condemnation. Sometime where it is, de it is described as a behavior that is detestable before God. In fact, the Bible says everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. You know, in the book of Proverbs, when the Bible talks about the seven things that the Lord hates, you know, he says there's six things the Lord hates, seven things, you know. The very first one is a proud look. The very first one that he mentions. No wonder when we go through this passage that it becomes evident about what Paul says to Timothy, that in those last days, people will be lovers of themselves. We live in an all-about-me kind of generation. So arrogance is found a couple of or a few times in your New Testament, but there're really two words that are translated as arrogant. One of them is a word that means to be overly swollen. The other word simply means to the or refers to the puffing up of your soul. So what are we talking about? We're talking about an inflated view of yourself, an inflated view of your self-importance. It's more than it's more than just think simply thinking highly of myself. It is an exaggerated view of who you are and your sense of self-importance. No wonder we would say today that there's no place for arrogance in prayer. With arrogance comes entitlement. Because of who I am, 
maybe because of the position uh, that I hold. Maybe I have a sense that I can do whatever I want and get away with it. And sometimes that same attitude translates its way into prayer so that because of who I am, because of whose I am, suddenly I have this idea that I can ask God whatever I want, never mind what His will might be. I can ask Him whatever I want, and He is obligated to do what I say. I want you to know that God is not obligated to do anything. He is God. And He has not yielded Himself to any man before, and He's not going to do that even today. There really is not a place for us to come before the Lord in prayer with arrogance. It's like oil and water. They, you know, they just don't mix. So why then does the Bible say that we should come boldly before His throne of grace? Is there a difference between coming boldly before Him and coming before Him with arrogance? Obviously. Obviously there is a difference. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of your approach before Him. The Bible says the Lord searches all hearts and He understands the intent of every thought. God Himself was the one who said, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. It's not going to be long for those of you in home groups to get down into Romans chapter 8 and discover that God is described as He who searches the hearts. Today, as we're gathered here in worship today, God is searching the heart of every person. He knows the intent. He knows the desire of your soul today concerning why you're here and what you hope to accomplish in worship. He knows that when you come before Him in prayer, that's why our, our words themselves take on a different tone when we come before the Lord. You as a dad may find yourself at some time rebuking your son, saying, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> you don't talk to me like one of your friends. I'm not your friend, I'm your father. Right? We don't talk to him as if he is the man upstairs. My, my good friend, my good buddy. He is God. The Holy One the creator and the sustainer of all things. It matters how I approach Him. And here's the difference between boldness and arrogance. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Verse number 11 in that passage finishes with the words, In Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he says this in verse number 12, In whom... In whom who? In whom? In Christ Jesus our Lord. We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. So the boldness with which I come before the Lord in prayer is not a boldness that's based on my worth. It's not a boldness that's based on my capacity or my position. It is in Him. It's in Him. 
It is in my relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. It is in Him that I can come before Him with boldness. I am invited into His presence with boldness, but not with arrogance. I do not bring Him a list simply to make my demands of Him. I come before Him with humility and understanding who it is that I'm really talking to. Our passage today in Luke chapter number 11 is not technically about prayer. But I want us to talk to, it, talk to you today about it in terms of prayer because what you find in these verses are a pair of conversations. One between a certain Pharisee and Jesus, the other between a lawyer and Jesus. That's really what prayer is, isn't it? It's a conversation. It's a conversation between you and Jesus. I want you to have those kind of conversations. I want you to have those times of prayer with the Lord. But what I don't want is for you to come before the Lord the way these men tend to approach the Lord. I want us to walk through this passage together and just kind of see it scene by scene, and I'll give you some scene titles, if you will, as we go through this passage today. Luke chapter number 11, we're beginning in verse number 37. Verse number 37, what you're going to find right off the bat is what I would call the interruption. This is the interruption. Notice that verse number 7 begins with saying, and as he spoke, as Jesus spoke. So this interruption takes place in the midst of Jesus' teaching. If you continue to go back, he's been talking about a sign. Remember, they had asked him for a sign, and he said, I'm not going to give this generation a sign other than the sign of Jonah. He's talking to them about his resurrection. He's talking to them about the end times. He's talking to them about serious matters upon which their faith will rest. He's giving them a series of parables, if you recall. Three little mini parables we refer to them as about the light that's not put under a bushel basket, but a light that's meant to shine truth in the midst of darkness. Jesus is talking to them about all of these things, and suddenly in the midst of that, the Bible says a certain Pharisee simply interrupts him. Did you know that there are a number of people who come before the Lord just simply with their own agenda? They're not interested in what God has to say. They're not interested in what God has been saying. They're not necessarily interested in His Word. They simply have a list, and they want to bring it to Jesus. This is the kind of person that we find in this Pharisee. He's not listening. He's only concerned with the things that he wants. It's the interruption. Second, as we move through this verse, you find the invitation. You find the invitation, what he interrupts Jesus' teaching with, is an invitation to his home. It says, and as Jesus spoke, a certain Pharisee asked Jesus to dine with him. So Jesus went in and sat down to eat. That's the invitation, Jesus, come to my house. Jesus typically does not attend the same religious rituals that the Pharisees attend. And so he 
he invites him. And Jesus does oblige him at this point and to go. It says that he invited him to come and dine. He sat down to eat. <laughs> Just simply like that, isn't it? You know what's interesting to me about that invitation? We're going to read all the way from verse number 37 to the end of the chapter, verse number 54. And not one time does it ever mention that they eat. Not once. He invites him to his home to eat. Jesus sits down to eat. But there's not any fellowship. There's not any eating that's taking place. When you come before God with your own agenda, and you are determined that you want your way done, even if you try to manipulate that situation, just like the Pharisee is doing. He's trying to manipulate Jesus, isn't he? There'll be no fellowship. There'll be no communion with the Savior. It'll just be a time for you to make your demands and for Jesus to offer His answer or His deaf ear. When I come before God with arrogance, I believe then that God should shut down everything else around and simply listen to me. You know, it's the old idea about how many Baptists it takes to change light bulb, right? It only takes one. They just stand there and let the whole world revolve around them, <laughs> right? Sometimes we come before the Lord like that. We come before Him and we think everything else should revolve around us, even God. He should change his plans. He shouldn't go to dinner where he was going to go to dinner. He shouldn't be with the people that he was intending to be with. He needs to stop everything and pay special attention to me because my desires and my wants and my needs take the forefront. When were you ever that passionate about somebody else's needs? When were you ever that pa passionate about the glory of God itself? This man has interrupted Jesus. This man has invited Jesus. We move into verse number 38. I want you to see the inspection. <laughs> this man's watching Jesus, isn't he? Verse number 38 says, And when the Pharisee saw it, that tells me that there is something specific that he's looking for. When he saw it, not just when he saw what was happening, not just when it, you know, when it just kind of came to him what was going on, when he saw it, he is looking for something. He is inspecting Jesus in his life. Down in verse number 54, the very last verse that we'll read today, the Bible says that they sought to catch him in something. <laughs> Pharisee's already doing that. He's already watching Jesus with the full intent of catching him doing something wrong. That is manipulation, isn't it? Manipulation doesn't have any place in prayer. How do you manipulate the God of the universe? 
How do you manipulate the one who spoke the worlds into existence? Boy, we try, don't we? Every trick that we can muster in the book. We claim false humility. We shed crocodile tears. All in hopes that we might sway and win the affections of the one who already loves me more than anybody could ever imagine. So we continue, verse number 38. I draw your attention to number four, the fourth scene that I find here, and that's the infraction. The infraction. The Pharisee was watching, he was inspecting. And the it that he sees, the it that makes him marvel, the Bible says, is that Jesus had not first washed before dinner. Now he's not talking about hygiene. He's talking about ceremony, isn't he? Jesus didn't go through the proper channels. Jesus didn't go through the proper routine. All those things that the Pharisees had passed down to generation after generation after generation, Jesus didn't follow. And he says, Aha, I got you. You know? You say that you're God. You say that you're the Son of God. You say that you're close to God. And yet you don't even wash your hands before dinner. Jesus has an answer for him. I think it's important that you see it. Look at verse number 39. The Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. He's not talking about cups, is he? <laughs> He's not talking about cups. He's not talking about dishes. He's not talking about hands. He's talking about hearts. A, a, a cup is not filled with greed and with wickedness. But a heart can be. Even a religious heart can be. And Jesus takes note and says, Your heart is filled with greed and with wickedness. Even though the outside of your life looks like it's supposed to. He continues in verse number 40. Foolish ones. How foolish. How foolish. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have. Then indeed all things are clean to you. What's he talking about? He's talking about make the outside look like the inside. If your inside is clean, let your outside be clean. Don't pretend that your outside is clean when your inside is dirty. Nobody wants to eat off dirty dishes, do they? I'm reminded of this man that went into a diner. Went into the diner and the man served his dinner on a plate that had little crusty places on it. Mmm, that's good right before lunch, isn't it? Anyway, he says, sir, excuse me, but my plate's not clean. Man said, that's as clean as cold water is going to get it. He said, okay. He went to eat and he looked at his side, just, 
I just can't. I just can't. Sir, my plate is dirty. It's as clean as cold water's going to get it. Man turned his attention back to his plate. About this time, this old hound dog came running up, walking up to the, to the man's table and started sniffing around, to which the cook said, Cold water, you get down from there and leave that man alone. <laughs> we want it clean, don't we? We want to know how it got clean, too. Listen, when it comes to being clean on the outside... It means that you have to be clean on the inside. When you, when you haul off and suddenly a word slips out of your mouth that's inappropriate, the issue is not your vocabulary. The issue is your heart. Jesus said whatever's on the inside is going to show up on the outside. And if the heart is dirty, the mouth will be dirty. If the heart is dirty, the hands will be dirty. If the heart is dirty, the place where the feet take you will be dirty just as well. The infraction the Pharisee thinks is on Jesus' part that he didn't wash his hands. The infraction in reality is on the Pharisee's part that he didn't cleanse his heart. When you come before the Lord, the Bible says that we're to come before Him with clean hands and a clean heart. How do you do that? How do you come before Him like that? How do you come before Him boldly and, and, and able to know and acknowledge, my heart is clean before the Lord? The Bible says if you will confess your sins... He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You begin by praying to the Lord and pouring out your heart to Him. There's so many times we just lump it all together and we say, God, if I've sinned in any way, I want to ask you to forgive me. And the reality is I know that I told a lie. The reality is I know that I watched what I shouldn't watch. The, the reality is I know that I'm thinking in my own heart, in my own mind, the things that I ought not be thinking. Man, take those things before the Lord. God, I told a lie helping to make you truthful. God, I, I thought thoughts that I shouldn't think helping to clean your mind before you go to Him in prayer. And you're not going before Him in arrogance. You're going before Him in boldness. Knowing that not only do you speak to the Creator and the Sustainer of the entire universe, you speak to your Savior, to your Deliverer, to the One who created you and loves you intensely and intentionally. Now I can come before Him and pour out my heart and pour out my cares before Him. But if I'm only interested in what I want, I'm only interested in the list that I have for Him, 
then surprise, surprise, he's got a list for you. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54, entitled, No Place for Arrogance in Prayer. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.